and welcome to episode 95 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe, and as always, my co-host is Mitch. Hello. And we're back for another month, slightly longer than a month, I think, since the last time we recorded. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But we've had a lot of stuff going on. We'll talk about it. We will. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, let's go. All right, yeah, well, yeah. before we get into our normal sort of things, okay. I had a little holiday. Yes. I took my family, my wife, and my wife's parents and my kids. We went for a little jaunt over to Tasmania for a few days. Say jaunt. It was you a bit of a jaunt. jaunt. It's a great word. It was nice. It was a nice little family break. So, yes, we flew over to Hobart and had a day in Richmond, which is just outside of Hobart, an old historical town. I went to Tasmania when I was very young mm-hmm. and I had a plastic ruler with the stickers, you know, and they had the. The stickers with the touristy shit on them. Yep. Richmond Bridge. I always remember Richmond Bridge. I think Richmond Bridge is actually the oldest still standing bridge in Australia. With convicts buried in it. Oh, it explains it probably would. Yeah. yeah. That was the coolest thing when I was like six. There's a lot of convict type stuff in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yes, we had a, a night in Richmond and there is a really cool zoo just outside of Richmond called Zoodoo. And for quite a reasonable price, I think it was $150, you can have a animal encounter with six different types of animals. And the Thing is, Could you choose the six? No, it's six oh, that they give you. It's a an albino python. A garnet? No. That's a stone, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. A gannet is a type of bird. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. But no. Albatross. No. It was a yeah, an albino python, a sugar glider, a wombat. You get to hand feed Tasmanian devils through a hole in their fence. You get to hang out with marmosets and meerkats. Mm. And the good thing was, unlike here at Melbourne Zoo where you have the animal encounters and you pay per person, this is just a blanket, $150. And because there was six of us there, we could sort of interchange who got to do what animals sort of thing. Mm. And the only criteria was that people that had colds couldn't play with the marmosets because being monkeys and they're very similar to humans they can catch human diseases uh-huh. like syphilis oh. but yeah <laughs> they can also catch colds so but yeah so uh, i had a cold so i wasn't allowed to play with the monkeys but i got to play with the sugar glider so that was kind of cool and my little seven-year-old is absolutely obsessed with reptiles so he was very impressed with the albino python cool how big him he's probably about 120 centimeters tall no the python oh the python Mm. uh i think it was about a five foot python Mm. but he didn't ddt anyone before he got out of the bag there which was why so it's damien right yeah yeah no the second one lucifer lucifer was it yeah Uh damien was just the normal one okay but I think there was a different Damien in every town that he went to. I think I it was. Uh, it. Oh, I think mm. that's the deal. I don't think he took the same snake with him. Okay. Anyway, wrestling, just off the topic there. But we also then had a couple of days in a place called the Tamar Valley Resort, just outside of Launceston. Like their yogurt. Yeah, I think that's where it comes from. Oh. I think. I don't know. Tamar Valley yogurt. Maybe. You'd think so. Yeah, but it's like this Swiss village called Grindelwald, and there's this resort that's set up like that's a Swiss where mountain. Where from, isn't it? The next Harry Potter film? Yeah. The Crimes of Grindelwald? I, th- I think it is. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah, but apparently Grindelwald is a real city in Switzerland. Swiss- Switzerland. <laughs> and it's yeah, set up like a Swiss village with like chalets and stuff and mini golf and all sorts of fun, and we had a couple of days there in the resort, and it was very nice. My kids excelled at buffet breakfast. How could you not? Yeah, they had this machine that cooks pancakes for you. You press a little button and it shoots them onto a conveyor belt and then they come out like little pikelets. Mm-hmm. So my older boy had 20 pancakes for breakfast. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he likes his pancakes. Obviously. Hmm. But yeah, it was nice. The The flight was a little bit uh, delayed because it was cold and foggy in Melbourne when we left. But other than that, we had a very nice time. Excellent. So yes, but 
Should we jump into gaming? Because it kind of goes along with this. While we're in Tasmania, okay. my kids have decided that they are now obsessed with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing, well, Pokemon Go. Yes. I've been playing Pokemon Go for two years now, I think. Wow. Okay. And recently my wife and I upgraded our phones. So we gave the kids our old phones so they could then play Pokemon on the phones. Because my son was playing it on his iPad for a little while and walking around with an iPad is a bit difficult to play Pokemon. Yep. But I was hotspotting it off my phone so they're on their little phones on our little hotspot Wi-Fi network. And while mum and her parents were, or my wife and her parents were out antique shopping, we had a bit of a wander around Richmond and collected all the Pokestops and mm-hmm. just generally had a, a bit of a, a wander in Pokemon. Excellent. But yes, it was interesting because historical buildings are all stops. So here you are in Melbourne where in the city there's tons of stops. Out in the suburbs there's not a lot of stops. But historical touristy places like Richmond, there was probably 20 stops in the town. Sweet. So we had a, a big walk around and did a couple of raids. You need to and, go for a trip to Ballarat or Bendigo or something. Yeah, definitely. Ben, Bendigo has a lot because I have been there Pokemoning before. Mm. And when we came back to Melbourne, we actually did a trip up to RMIT University here in Bandura. Mm-hmm. And on their campus grounds, they have about six or seven stops all in one little bit. So we went up there one Sunday afternoon when the uni wasn't in, in business and did a bit of Pokemoning there too. Mm. But yeah, my, my boys are absolutely obsessed now. Every day when they get home from school, they're like, can we go for a little walk around the block to catch a Pokemon? And I'm like, sure. So it's reignited my passion, even though it hadn't really stopped because I still play every day. Yep. But yeah, I've been doing a little bit of mobile gaming. Cool. Well, I can tweak about mobile gaming. Well, you can, yes. I deleted the fuck out of Toy Blast, which is, I think I talked about last episode. You did, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. I I, I did warn that it was a bit of a time sink, didn't I? You did, but you were so wrapped about it last episode. Because it was easy. Oh, okay. And it got harder, but it was still easy. Yeah. So I progressed a lot, and I think I said I was about level 430 or something around about last time. Yeah. I got up to level 900 since then. Okay. So you progress a lot. It does get complicated, and you do have to use strategy later on. It's quite good in that way, so it is quite rewarding and you do get your fix when you get through you feel great and you do it quite often so you feel great often so it's a good thing it's very rewarding and a game takes something like you know a minute two minutes if that and when you get to sort of different you know levels you get so many it's like oh you get rewards and prizes okay that's cool oh here you have two hours because normally you get five like most games like that you get five goes and then you gotta wait an hour before you get or 20 minutes before you can have another go and things like that yeah but you hit these gateways and say, like, oh, here, have two hours of gaming. It's fine. And then, oh, here, have 24 hours of gaming. And it's like, the five was good. It restricted me. <laughs> 24 is not good. No. I'm sitting there and I'm just, oh, one more game. One more game. Oh, I nearly got it that time. One more. One more. It was bad. I had to delete it. It had to go. It was dangerous. Mm. Any other gaming? Console? Nope. Wow. I'm trying to finish a school assignment and yeah. I feel guilty if I was to game. I'm not doing a school assignment either, but I'm just not gaming. <laughs> so it's just like I, I can't and not. Yeah. Well, I've been playing a little bit of console gaming. I recently listened to a podcast where they were talking about an older game called Path of Exile, which is a little bit like Diablo as far as that isometric fantasy type walk around and kill things type game. Yeah. It is only one player, which is a bit of a shame, but it was free on Steam. So I thought I would download that on Steam, only there's no controller interface on Steam. You have to play it with keyboard. And I was like, well, I don't really want to play it with a keyboard. And then I found out that it is actually on the Xbox and it is free on the Xbox One as well. So I went and downloaded it on the Xbox One and yeah. played probably a couple of hours. Now of you that. love your Diablo. I do. So is this scratch that itch or does it make you go, fuck it's, it, I'll just play Diablo? Well, I kind of, yeah, just wanted to play Diablo afterwards anyway because I think Diablo is a better game as far as gameplay and story goes. It was easy enough to pick up. The thing that was really difficult about it is the skill tree. 
So obviously, as you level up, you get points you can spend to upgrade things. Mm. Diablo, you have probably about, I think, 20 options of what you can do. This, the skill tree, scans over about four pages, and you have to move your controller around to look over different things. But there is just like multitudes of skills you can add points to, and it's really daunting. You start off only being able to add like armor and strength and health, but once you then progress from there, it's, yeah, it's a massive skill tree. And I think I would have skill tree anxiety about what I should spend my points on if I were to level up even further. And you know me, I yeah. would just hoard those you points. You would hoard those points and never and give you anxiety for not using them. Hmm. Yeah. But other than that, I have actually been playing a little bit of one of the other freebies that the Xbox had, which was For Honor, mm-hmm. which was a third person, again, fantasy hack and slash sort of game. Reminded me a little bit of Rise that we played yep. a little while ago. And you can play either as a warrior, a samurai, or a viking, I think it is. And basically, yeah, you just run around and smash things with your sword or your axe and, and kill things. It got a bit samey very quickly. I think there was a story, but I just played an hour of the tutorial and that was enough for me. And then I may have mentioned it that it was coming on the last episode, but the New Japan DLC has finally dropped for Fire Pro World on yep. Steam. Mm-hmm. So I have been playing a lot of that. And basically that adds, I think it's about 20 official New Japan characters, whereas Fire Pro's never really had officially licensed characters before. They've only ever had lookalikes with kind of different names, yep. but this is official, which is really good. And it's also added a thing called the Fighting Road mode, where you start off as a jobber at New Japan and work your way up, and you start off literally as a just a guy in generic black boots, black trunks. You have no skill points, and as you train, you get skill points, which you can then upgrade your, you know, your skills and your moves. And I've played, yeah, I've played, I think, 39 of the chapters of that. I'm not sure exactly how long the chapter's we'll go for but each chapter is kind of like when you start it's a match but there's criteria you have to do like you have to do a dozen signature moves and finish the match with your finisher so it kind of teaches you how to play properly as you go through it which is which is cool this is the new Japan mode? Yeah. So this is on top of the gameplay that's just so already it's on, there. Yeah, exactly. It's this whole new thing. Yeah, wow. so you start off, you, you have a creator character, which is awesome, and then you get to unlock stuff. So you unlock better moves and better costumes and, yeah, skills. Hmm. So it is really good. I've been enjoying that a lot. And because I like to play old games, there's been a bit of talk lately about how the playstation mini is coming out and my wife's been sort of hounding me going should we buy a playstation mini should we buy a playstation mini and i was like well we never really played anything on the playstation when we had it why do we want the mini and then she was like well i really like gauntlet and i was hoping gauntlet might be on the playstation mini and i was like well i don't think it will be because not a lot of midway games are in any of these collections because midway went bust and i'm not sure if anyone actually owns the rights to the midway collection anymore so she was like well how can we play gauntlet and i was like well, we've got the original Xbox in the cupboard in the in the spare room. Why don't we just wire that up and play some gauntlet? So on Saturday night, when you were out doing stuff that we could probably talk about in a moment, we decided that I should plug in the old Xbox and we played a good couple of hours of gauntlet. And it still holds up. For a game that we probably haven't played since probably 2002, the graphics aren't great, but the gameplay is still just as good as it ever was. I'm pretty sure I played Gauntlet on the, um, at the arcade. Well, the original Gauntlet at the arcades was the top-down, just walk around, kill things. This is a slightly upgraded version of that, so it's actually Gauntlet Dark Legacy. Okay. So it is more cartoony and kind of 3D, but same sort of concept. You get to play either a warrior or mage or Valkyrie sort of thing, and you go around and just kill more. Multitudes of bad guys. Yeah, I'm thinking Ghosts and Goblins, I think. Yeah, Ghosts and Goblins was more 2D. Yeah. Where you're just walking from one side of the screen to the other. This is a 3D okay. beat-em-up sort of game. 
yeah, a fair bit of gaming over the last couple of months. So, yeah. Cool. Can't you just buy it on the Xbox? No. As sure. I said, because you can buy the original arcade version of Gauntlet on the Xbox. Yeah. But because no one owns the rights to Midway and the games have kind of gone into limbo, no one has Gauntlet Seven Sorrows or Gauntlet Dark Legacy, which are the two modernized oh, ones. Okay. And it's it's just one of those games where I can remember when I got it first on Nintendo 64, we rented it from the video shop and we actually played, this is pre-kids days, we actually stayed up for 24 hours one weekend wow. and completed probably 90% of the game in one sitting. And then again, before we had kids, we got it again on the Xbox and we went away for a weekend and took the Xbox with us and we were in Lake's entrance and it was like well there's not really a lot to do in Lake's entrance we may as well just plug in the Xbox into the tally and play a bit of Gauntlet and again finished it again over a, a couple of days of a long weekend with different characters again but, hmm. Fair enough. so you're going to buy the PlayStation I think I don't mini? think so I think the only games that I would really be interested are possibly the Tekken games but I've got them anyway mm. so if I really wanted to I could just dig out my PlayStation and play it on that because I've got my PlayStation still attached to my tally yeah. and the games I want. Exactly. Like, I don't have the games that are on there, but don't think I'm looking for it. No, I haven't been able to find a definitive list of everything that's on it yet. A lot of the news reports are like, it will include you know this, this, and this. Plus others. Plus yeah. others, yeah. But they haven't, I don't know if they've officially announced all the games that are going to be on it. But. Not that I've found, no. Hmm. But again, it doesn't overly it excite can't justify me. it. No. I don't need it. Exactly. I've got... As you said, I've got what I need for the PlayStation. And, the, you know, it, it, I don't have time to play modern games, let alone exactly. go back and play all the games that I ever wanted to play in previous generations. So, and I've got yeah. a chipped bloody PlayStation. Mm. Well, see, I've got a, a chipped original Xbox. And I dug out the, the Xbox out of the cupboard and then I dug out the, the folder of games. You can play Def Jam again. I could. And Sega Soccer Slam. I've got that. Yeah. But when I dug out the, the folder with all the games, it was like, I have a lot, a lot of games. And I was like, I don't remember a lot of these games. And I think the problem was because we were getting illegally pirated versions back in the days when we were filthy pirates and you could get like 10 games for a hundred bucks out of the trading post. Mm. You got so many games, a lot of them weren't that good. And you just sort of play it once and go, yeah, I don't need to play that again. Because I oh, forget what made me think of it, but I remember that Atari games. Yeah. And they were like $80 yeah, exactly. in the 80s mm. for a game. And you played the shit out. Of it you because did, exactly. that's all you got. You didn't get 10 games. No. You got one. Yeah. That was all you had. And it had like, to last you from Christmas to your birthday. And pretty much. If you're like us, your birthday's almost near Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So like, mm. Wow. So, yeah, I did that when I got my DS. I got the little card, the R4 card and everything, and you could just download games and put them on. And when you've got 150 games sitting there, you play for until you get bored. Exactly. And you don't. As soon as it becomes a challenge, that's it. Next game. Well, that's like friend of the show Joel's got a Raspberry Pi. And that's got, what, 300 and something games on it? And we went to his house once and we were just sitting there just scrolling through games and playing one level of something, go, no, nope, next, let's move on. Mm. And I, I think that's the problem. You appreciate your games more when you don't have as many. Yes. And even with my Xbox now, because I'm getting all the freebies from Games for Gold, I have such a library sitting on the hard drive that I know I'm probably never going to get to. It's the same with Netflix. Yeah. Like, to go and get a video it was a big deal. Yeah. You go out, you spend a half hour walking around the video library looking for something that you'd all agree on watching or whatever. Now you sit on your couch and just scroll through the menu and you watch something you've already seen before because you can't decide on something new. Yeah. It's just with it being so convenient and it's always there there where you know if you went and hired like terminator 2 on video you've watched it four times before you took it back exactly yeah and i had you know when i started buying videos like when they you know buying 
sell through videos and things like that. I yeah. think Pulp Fiction was my first or Reservoir okay. Dogs. And you watched it all the time because yeah. it was there or something you taped off the telly. Yeah. You know, I'd watch Jaws 2 and Smokey the Bandit 2 all the time because they're the ones I taped off the telly. And now so many half-watched movies mm. just because it's like, oh, yeah, I've had enough now. Yeah, even the big blockbusters. Like we were talking recently about how I hadn't seen Black Panther. And you're like, well, have you seen Black Panther yet? And I was like, well, I've seen two thirds of it <laughs> because I, I, again, I, I started watching it on Foxtel and I got to the you know, the climax. Well, not the climax, but I got quite a long way through and it was just, we were watching it on a Friday night and it was getting late and it was like, well, how long's left? And it was like, there's still 40 minutes to go. And we sort of gave up and went to bed and I haven't gone back. So I don't know how Black Panther finishes. So. Uh-huh. They all die. Do they? Yeah. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> so anyway. That might be a good segue for us to jump into what we've been watching. Yeah, TV. Yeah. yeah. See, I know you've been watching TV because you made me watch some TV. Oh, we'll start with that, shall we? We should. Right. All right. Now, my must-see TV for the week at the moment, watching TV, I make it Tuesday night, 8.30, SBS, is 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. That's my have to watch. Now, I can watch it on catch-up. I know I can do all these things, but I, I catch it now. And it's not even you. All right, so Countdown in the UK is what Australia had was Letters and Numbers. And I may have talked about Letters and Numbers yeah. on the show before. Yeah. So the original show was Countdown, which has been going for like 25 years. Yep. Yeah, we can't call it Countdown here, obviously, because of Molly's show. So we call it Letters and Numbers because, it, you know, well, just it in makes case more you sense don't know what the show's it has about. Letters and Numbers. But you've got a timer that counts down while you do the puzzles. Anyway, it's just this generic little simple game show where you get um, nine letters, consonants and vowels random and you have to make the longest word you can out of it. Or there's a number section where you can get out of five numbers you get a random number generator and you have to using you don't have to use them all, some of the numbers, and add up to that number somehow. Not just add up, yeah. multiply, divide, whatever. <laughs> it's so simple, and it's just quaint. The Australian one's so great. Drew Morford hosts it. Not Drew Morford. The guy used to host Behind the News. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. I can't think what his name is, though. Yeah. With the curly hair. Yes. Mm. And he's, it's just so lovely. It's just it's a lovely show. And if you win, you get a dictionary. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty lame. Mm. And it's great. And I watch it every day. They've And it only ran from 2010 to 2012. Yet they replay it every day on SBS at 4.30. Okay. 5.30, 5.30. Hmm. So I, I watch it every day. I love it. My brain triggers you, makes you think. Yeah, and there's a comedy show, like all the British comedy shows, where you have a panel, you have a host, and a bunch of guests. Generally, the host is someone who's a guest on another panel show somewhere else, yep. and all the other guests are generally hosts of another panel show somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. That just seems to be the same thing. Yeah, so Jimmy Carr hosts a show called 8 Out of 10 Cats, yep. which I've never seen. I've seen a couple of episodes. So what is it? It's basically the same as, say, Mock the Week or any of those type shows where about, like, current affairs and they mm. make jokes about current affairs and answer type trivia questions and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. So they do this, I think, once a year. They'll do a add out of 10 cats does countdown. Okay. So they'll do a bunch of episodes. I think it's like six maybe. I don't know. But what I think SBS is doing is showing them all. So they've been doing it for about five years. Yeah. So they're just showing them all straight through. And, yeah, so it's the comedians from 8 Out of 10 Cats playing this, you know, institutional TV show countdown. And I just piss myself laughing everywhere. I don't know why. It just taps into me beautifully. It's my favourite game show with funnies. And the girl who does the numbers is pretty good. Well, it was actually the first time I've ever seen it tonight and I got a couple of laughs out of it. Mm -hmm. The stuntman guy on tonight's episode was pretty cool. He's not always a stuntman. Oh, isn't he? Okay. He was the back of a pantomime horse last week and the front of the horse was Eddie the Eagle. Ah, There you go. There you go. 
Yeah, I just I, I look forward to this show. <laughs> it's sad how much I look forward to this show each week. Well, my brain didn't work quick enough to pick the numbers. Well, I was really good for a while, and the problem with it being on SBS when that it is like five thirty is during the World Cup, it's gone. Oh. So they play the World Cup catch up, and yep. then during Tour de France, they do the here's what you missed in the world. You know, so it goes off for periods of time, and the brain gets out of practice. The maths, if you don't do it regularly, you really get out of practice. You can get really on it and seeing words outside in these random letters and finding words out of it. you you got to train your brain. So you'd probably you? be good at Boggle. Not the moment. No? I'm way out of training. But yeah, so th- 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 I have been watching that and I su- subjected you to that tonight. Mm. What else have I been watching? Castle Rock finished. Okay. Ten episodes. Really good start. Made me excited. I was intrigued. It's a J.J. Abrams production. So it's um, Bad Robot production. Yeah. And they love a mystery book. But it's also based on the Stephen King universe. So led up build up these questions what's this what's that mean what's that mean is and because it's in the Stephen King universe it's like is that a reference to that and is that a reference to this so it's really cool but you want answers it's like don't do a lost and episode six was really cool had that Twin Peaksy sort of vibe episode seven was phenomenal that's where if Sissy Spacek doesn't get the Emmy next year I'll be very surprised Episode nine sort of go, oh, you fucking what? Uh, And I'm like, this could be great. This could be bad. And then it was like finished going, I don't know. So it's just sort of like, oh. And I've heard a lot of theories about it going, that's pretty fucking cool. Well, you mentioned on the last show that you were watching Castle Rock and then you were listening to half a dozen Castle Rock podcasts. So those theories and so, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I see it. I'm not smart enough to pick that up. That's cool. And that's cool. So I'm not unhappy that I watched it and in 10 episodes it's better than five years to get to that end like Lost did yeah. and I'm like okay fair enough but I listened to Mark Bernardin who does a podcast with Kevin Smith called uh, Was Fat Man on Batman now it's called Fat Man Beyond they've changed the name of it now Mark Bernardin is a co-host on that and he's one of the writers on um, Castle Rock and Kevin Smith was off directing an episode of Supergirl so he did one on his own so he sort of did a live they do it live at the Star Wars Cantina in LA and he sort of did a little chat and then he did a Q&A so they were chatting away and asking questions and it was really good to hear someone who was in the writer's room answering it and he goes it was funny because working for Bad Robot you're sort of they love a mystery box sort of TV show so it's all about the mystery where Stephen King is like there's no fucking mystery it's like Cujo it's in the fucking title Christine it's in the fucking title (laughs) it it is a killer you see it in page five you know it's sort of like yeah I didn't think of it that way so it's sort of like trying to get those two to pair together but it was um Good to hear that. So there's a lot of thought went into it and there's still a lot of theories going out and he came out saying this, this and this and I'm like, I don't know if I want that to be real. But yeah, so was good. Didn't nail the landing as I'd hoped, but it did well enough. It's like, okay, well done. Okay, and that's it now? There's no more? That's it for that season. And it's going to be a season two, but it's a brand new series. Oh, okay. It's like American Horror Story yep. in that way that it's an anthology series. Next season will be set in Castle Rock again. You might get some returning characters, but the storyline is not a continuation of what we just saw. Okay. So, yeah, so I did that. And the other thing I'm going to talk about, probably more about Amazon Prime as a whole. Yes. A whole being the right word in some ways. A black hole. stuck in it. Uh, of shit like Mm. I've talked about Amazon Prime on the past saying there's not much on there it's sort of weird variety of like 
crappy 70s exploitation film like The Van. Then you've got the Indiana Jones trilogy. Yeah. And then some really crappy 90s and 80s Skinamax films, which are, uh, we never had Skinamax here in Australia, but I know about it for some reason. I don't know who knows. But it's, it's yeah, what would be equivalent to an R-rated porn films here where yeah. you get a lot of nudity and simulated sex and terrible acting. And there does seem to be a lot of not quite right programs. So it's just, it's just strange. And there's, well, Australian wrestling show was on there called Wrestling Under, was it? Under, underground? Underworld. Underground Wrestling. Underworld. Yeah. Underworld. And it's a local production here in Melbourne and it's on there and it looks like Channel 31 product. Yep. And it's like, hang on, this is on the same thing that has in the Indiana Jones trilogy. Yeah, it's worldwide. Sort of, so people from all over the globe could be watching our wrestling. weird, obscure collection of stuff. Hmm. And something I talked about that Netflix doesn't have that I look forward to is I really like old movies. And old TV shows, yep. like from the 60s. I grew up here in Australia. I know I grew up on Family Affair and old TV shows, like even older than Brady Bunch. They were on in the mornings before school and on weekends and things like that. And I, I grew up on that. And yes, I were 20 years old when I watched them, but I love them. Not for everyone. I understand that. But Netflix has nothing like that. It's all new. There's rarely anything old. And as far as black and white movies go, Netflix, I think it's, it's a wonderful life. It's the only one that's on there. And it's sort of like, oh, I kind of want that. And I've gone searching through Amazon Prime for stuff, and it's terrible, the search function. Yeah, the interface isn't great, is it? Because I invited you over last week. We're going, all right, let's let's start, get ready for our Christmas episodes. Let's see. And I found some Christmas stuff on there. So I was like, I'll show you what's on here. And I typed in Christmas, and it came up with 12 responses. Hmm. If I look up toy trains, I get even more (laughs) that weren't in the 12 responses. It doesn't make sense. I'll get to toy trains in a second. Yeah, so it's a strange program yeah but there's I, so much stuff but what i found because you you find one program you go and say what other people watched and i found so much more that was in there and you saw my elation yeah, exactly. last week yeah when i found out fucking gidget was on there yeah you love gidget i love sally field and there was gidget if only there were flying none it'd be perfect so there's no flying none not that i could find that's a shame but i could turf in flying none it probably still wouldn't find it for me but yeah so i found some obscure shit so i found i don't know how it just is that's the thing with amazon prime you just sort of got to go and let it happen and i found the land of oz from the 1960s shirley temple storytime hour which was a tv show from 1960 starring shirley temple as an adult hmm. And it was a Wizard of Oz, so she just played a little bit. And I'm looking at this person playing a witch going, that looks like Endora from Bewitched. And it was. Yes. And then Jonathan Winters was in it. I was like, he's classic. And then there was a guy dressed as a pumpkin head, which is kind of freaky. And that was played by the guy who was... Um, the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Voice of Winnie yeah. the Pooh. And then Mel Blanc was the voice of a wooden horse. I was yeah. like, okay, there's a bit of a who's who in there. And there's just this obscure show that I found out of nowhere. And in doing that, you go, what other other people watched? And I did I find some shit and introduced you to that shit last well, you week. you certainly did fall into a Amazon Prime rabbit hole. Do you know what there is? There's, no. there's a, an hour, hour plus footage of toy trains going around track. And when you say an hour plus, there's an hour plus in each particular show. There's probably a dozen of these particular shows. Yes, it was a train thing. And because I went to a birthday party for my son's friend a few weeks ago at the train museum, he was sort of a bit into it. I was like, I'll see what the train thing is. It might be something he's into. And it literally was just footage of a train 
or toy trains going around. Now, I had notes thinking <laughs> they've filmed this really badly because some were a little bit too close. You didn't really get a scope of how good these models were and, no. and, the, and the dioramas. Yeah, or, what do you call a diorama? What do you, what do you call it? The see, track? I would still call it a diorama, but I don't think train enthusiasts no, do call it. It's sort of like, and they hold on this and they cut too quick. It's like, mm. let me look at this. Someone's put a lot of work into this. And, uh, and it plays like jaunty music behind it and it goes off, but then it cuts over to like a miniature railway, you know, the ones where you ride on. Yeah. You know, it sort of like cuts to that for a little bit and they'll play two or three jaunty songs for that. Then I'll go back to trains again. There might be a bit of a theme and then it's like, fuck, there's an hour plus of just toy trains to Johnny music. Who knew? Guess what? There's, there's at least seven. Yeah. There's a Christmas theme one. Exactly. It's Who puts this together? Who well, buys it? It was two brothers or something, wasn't it, that put so, them together? I don't know. And I, I can't tell if it's all of their dioramas or whether they've just No, sort of I think went, they've gone around yeah, America, they've gone around and, around America and filmed a bunch of people. Mm. It's, it's impressive. I lasted a lot longer than you did. Well, you did. You, you wanted to get out. Yes. I, was, I was happy. It's quite therapeutic. But the music was – I do want to put just ominous music over the top and just see how it feels. But, yeah, fascinating. But what, in looking for that and showing you this – we found Demolition Derby, and this is the one you were a little bit more I into was, than I was. I was way into the Demolition Derby because, as you said, you go to the other people that watch this, or people that watch this have watched these other programs, and one of them was, I think it was from the 70s by based on... The cars were 70s. I think it was 80s. It might have been 80s, but they were mm. definitely all 70s and 60s cars, and just the way it was filmed kind of looked like it was on very early video or old film sort of stock. Of well, they had just, the black bars down the side of the screen, so yeah. it definitely wasn't in widescreen. Mm. But to me, it kind of felt like it was a video or a really shitty DVD that they've just thrown on Amazon Prime. I think that's exactly what it was. But it was a whole event. It was like and a final and everything. And I think we watched probably half an hour of that before you got bored with it. Yes, but you, you were also, totally into it. You are also saying there was like old monster truck footage. Yeah, and this is pre-Monster Jam, so yeah, it was so just footage of like probably the same place you're doing a demolition derby where they yep. bring in a monster truck and it probably crashes a bunch of cars. Yeah, as opposed to Monster Jam where they're kind of racing and doing tricks and stuff. These were just cars driving or monster trucks driving over wrecks of other cars. But In the 80s. Yeah, it was yeah, just it was strange. It's so, shit that's on Amazon Prime. I, I'm surprised we watched as much as we did of those train videos. Like, we watched one and then you were like, oh, let's see what else is there. And there was one that was like the bloopers from the trains videos. Yeah. So those trains going around the same corner falling off every time. Didn't and, get funny. No. No, it and just was bloopers. It was jaunty music. But some of the equipment that they had was pretty cool. They had those ones with the magnets in the bottom and they were unloading milk churns oh, or something from I was one amazed of the yeah like so you got the dioramas or whatever they call it and yeah it literally is oh, it's a it's a tin loader and kegs almost yeah. and like through magnets like it, he's moving them into the so you pull up your train carriage next to it and it loads it and out and it's like who comes up with the engineering in these things it was obviously there's a lot of money in trains mm. I know they're expensive well, you've just got the a, side stuff you've got a garage that doesn't have a lot of stuff in it how long will it be before I come over here and you go I'll come into the garage I'll show you my diorama well I don't have enough money that's for sure <laughs> it would be cool but mm. wow it's just train cunts who knew <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but the one other thing we found on Amazon Prime it was just a random collection of toy commercials from the seventies and eighties. Yeah, and I was willing to sit through the whole hour and ten, but you were saying we're not going to watch all this. No, <laughs> we had other stuff we wanted to watch, but some of them were pretty cool. That's like some of the toys were like that's it was like nineteen dollars in nineteen sixty. It's like that's got to cost a fortune. Yeah, jump on eBay and see what it was. What is it? The NASA space launcher or something? But some were pretty cool. And Smash Up Derby. I remember having those when I was a kid. Mm. And some of them were just you would expect them now there was a like a lone ranger cap gun sort of thing that in actually hat, shot real bullets 
Oh, yeah, they were like plastic. Plastic, but still. Yes. And then at the end of it, they're like, do not shoot it at other people, kids. Just to the target. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously someone lost an eye somewhere and they stopped making those sort of toys. Mm. Mm. But yeah, Amazon Prime. So I'm in love with Amazon Prime again because of the crap and motherfucking Gidget. Yes. Because it had Family Affair. And Square Pegs was on there too. Yes. um, Square Pegs is the only episode of the Christmas episodes that we've done where we gave up. Yeah, because yeah, we were looking. I was doing some research into Christmas episodes, and there was one for Square Pegs, which I didn't know what that was. It was a later eighties, early nineties sitcom starring um, Sarah Jessica Parker. And yeah. I was like, I was a big fan of girls just want to have fun. So I was like, this could be good. And it sort of has a history from reading and doing a bit yeah. of research on it. We watched it and it was so yeah, I think dull. We got, I think we watched the episode and then we got 15 minutes into recording the Christmas episode and we went, I Fuck just it. don't care for this yeah, program. So, yeah. so it's there. So I was like, oh, Square Pegs. Who knew? It was that obscure. That, mm. I mean, we had trouble finding the episode to watch last time. Yeah. And there it was on Amazon Prime. So the mm. shit, I was just, Yeah. And Cool McCool was on there too. Yes. I used to watch Cool McCool when I was a kid. It used to be on, when I lived in New South Wales, we used to have our own little wind network. And on good days, we could get Sydney channels because we were a couple of hours south of Sydney and we couldn't get the the Sydney channels unless the weather was perfect and the area was in the right spot. But occasionally I did get to watch Cool McCool from Sydney Channel 7 before I went to school. So I was quite excited to see Cool McCool. But his voice wasn't like I remembered it. Okay. He just didn't seem quite as cool Cool. as I remember. But yeah. That was my TV viewing. Hmm. Pretty much. Just Amazon Prime and crap. And how much do you pay a month for Amazon Prime? $7. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. If the interface was just a little bit better and the search function was a little bit better... It does seem to take more bandwidth than Netflix does. Like if Sally and I are both on the phones watching Netflix, it doesn't seem to affect our browsing. But when Amazon Prime's on, it does seem to affect Yeah, I thought that too because I was trying to Google some of that Shirley Temple stuff while we were watching it and I might just crawling along on the iPad. Yeah, so I don't know why and how those things work, but who, who knows. Maybe it's designed to make you just sit and watch rather than play on your phone. Maybe it just sucks like a circus engine. <laughs> Maybe it does. But yeah, speaking of Netflix, I have been watching a little bit of stuff on Netflix. I've got sucked into another show that my wife was watching and I sort of just came into the room and sort of sat down and watched five minutes of it and then I found myself watching a couple of episodes in a row and that is Skin Wars, which was a show from a few years ago, which is basically a body painting competition. So they get models and they have contestants and they have a theme and they have to paint them. The good thing is that RuPaul is one of the, the judges and RuPaul has a lot of charisma and is a very good host for television. Mm-hmm. And speaking of hosts, the actual host of the show is, no, I always forget what her name is these days, Rebecca Stamos, Rebecca Romagin. Because apparently she was the first model to ever appear on Sports Illustrated in body paint. Okay. So she is the host of the show. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of interesting. She was also Mystique in X-Men. Yeah, well, yes. But that wasn't body paint, was it? That was... Pretty much. Was it? The original. Yeah, I guess. But that's probably why she was the first person to be body painted on Sports Illustrated. But it's it's quite an entertaining show. And my youngest boy, Angus, has decided that he wants to become a body painter. So we've all had to endure sitting in the cold <laughs> with no shirt on in the lounge room while he paints us. He hasn't quite got the same skills that they have yet, but we're getting there. Okay. And another thing I've been watching on Netflix is an old show that was on ABC a couple of years ago called Glitch, which is a science-y fiction type show. Originally, there was two seasons. It came out in 2015, and it's about a small town in rural Victoria where a bunch of people rise from the dead, and it's kind of like a murder, well, not really a murder, but a, a mystery about how they've came back from the dead and why they're there and and just revolves around their lives. And and it's only six episodes in each season. We've only watched the first season so far. But for an Aussie show, 
it's quite a clever concept. I really enjoyed it. And I found it falls into that sort of ensemble cast where each episode focuses on one character while still progressing the main storyline. Cool. So you kind of find out how they died and, and you know what their life was like before they've come back from the dead. So I recommend that. That's on Netflix. Cool. So as far as television goes, that's what we've been watching. We did, following on from our Amazon Prime rabbit hole, <laughs> we fell into a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole last week as well. Yeah, we've in the past we've talked about the Gathering of the Jagalos infomercial. If you don't know, for those who don't know, the Insane Clown Posse is a rap group from Detroit. They're two guys who dress up as clowns and rap. There was a sort of a gimmick that they had what they were the they were bringing on the coming of the apocalypse it was all that sort of yep. you know, concept album that they did and they just sort of became this not a symbol but just a people a group of fa- people who don't have a place because sort of belong and fans of the insane clown posse are the juggalos yeah that's what they call their fans as juggalos and they get around they either they wear a lot of the stuff so insane clown posse they've got their own production company and their own record label and it's psychopathic records yeah and There's a lot of bands signed to them. So what they have, and they've had it for 17 years. 18 years now. 18 years. They have a music festival, like a Woodstock or something like that, but it's a gathering of the Juggalos. And pretty much all the acts that are on the Psychopathic Records get a Guernsey, plus other people. And advertising. So it's a two, it's getting up to about five-day festival now, I think. Starting on the Thursday or the Wednesday. But yeah, it's it's at least a weekend festival. Now it's up to about five days. And they have rides. They have food vans, this and that, a bunch of stages for people to perform in, wrestling, beauty pageants, people hanging from body piercings. Stand-up comedy. Yeah, it's... Dance parties. It's just a constant party for this gathering of fans of ICP, a lot of interesting people in various states of dress um, and play makeup, inebriation. uh, Yeah, and the teeth to scabs ratio. Yeah, it's bizarre. And we have been, we've told, we, we were fans of the ICP. Yes, and we went and saw the concert and we stopped being as much a fan of ICP and even less fans of their fans. Yeah. Um, but we are still fascinated by, by this yep. culture, exactly. subculture. So, yeah, every year they bring out an infomercial. So it's at least 25 to a half hour long of them promoting the gathering. And it's something we look forward to every year. And we didn't watch last year's because there wasn't meant to be one. Because what happened was the FBI have have deemed Juggalos as a gang yep. in the same way that a bikey gang or something can be. So they are, can be, if you've got a Hatchet Man sticker, which is the symbol of the psychopathic yep. records, that's enough to stop your current search because you're a member of a gang. So last year had a million Juggalo march on Washington, which they didn't quite get a million people, but they had a go. And so that was meant to be the in lieu of the gathering, but they did have a gathering in the end. So we didn't watch last year's gathering yeah. infomercial because we didn't know it didn't happened. Know what happened yeah. And then Joe said last week, it's like the new gathering infomercials outside. <gasps> so and we yeah, found. Again, we, we missed it this year because while we were in our little hiatus, the gathering was actually the last weekend of July in the States. So we'd actually missed the infomercial. Mm. So I was like, you know, we've actually missed the, uh, the gathering infomercial. So we went back and we watched the 2017 and, then there was and one the 2018. So, oh, so, yeah. okay. So we watched two gathering infomercials last week. and it's just I must say this year's wasn't quite as good as previous years had been. It was cleverer in their performance because it, it's always themed. Yeah. One was themed, it was a zombie apocalypse. One was themed, it was a war scenario. So you've got characters talking in front of blue screen to camera explaining 
all the stuff that's going down, but they're in costume. So they might have been in, you know, army fatigues for one. So this one, the f- for the 2017 gathering, it was Monster Truck commercial. Yeah. It was like a, a demolition derby or a monster truck. So it was a very on theme last week. Everything mm. sort of went into each other. And it was like, Sunday, 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 you know, and it was them. So they were dressed in their, like, racing suits yeah. talking about what, what was going to happen. And then and it gets repetitive. It is an infomercial. It, it does. It is kind of annoying. But and you do seem to get the same acts on every gathering. Mm. But, yeah, so 2018 was it was like Woodstock. They were taking the piss out of Woodstock. So Violent J and Shaggy Tutope, the two members of ICP, they were actually dressed up as pretty much Cheech and Chong mm. in front of a combi Just van hippies, in tie-dyed, yeah. being stoned and so. It wasn't the energy of previous ones. Yes, it was kind of clever, but it was also kind of dull. It's a fascinating piece of work. To step back and just observe all this stuff that happens is amazing. And there's so many theses and dissertations and things like that that could be done about this subculture is amazing, but I like to keep my distance. Yeah. But we talk every year how I wouldn't mind going for one day (laughs) just to check out the gathering. I think we're getting too old to go to a gathering now. Oh, fuck it. But yeah. But what they do is they shield the acts that are going to be on the gathering. And going back to the first couple that we watched, it was ICP were the headline act. You had... The other people that were on Psychopathic Records that were kind of like their mates, Twisted, what is it, Blaze Your Dead Homie, Anybody Killer, and a bunch of people that also nine. kind of wear that clown makeup and, and do that sort of horror rap, mm. hardcore, new metal sort of sound. Yeah. But then they've kind of expanded now and there's just a lot of other bands. A well, lot they've of- always had they've had some notoriety for different things, like Afro Man, who's yep. saying because it got high, he got stones thrown at him by the fans. Well, Taylor the- Tequila Tila was there Tequila one year as well. thrown piss at. Yes. yes. But they also have slightly more mainstream acts. They have Vanilla Ice turns up quite regularly. Yep. They had Naughty by Nature one year were there. Ice, and, yeah, go on. Ice Cube's been on a couple. So it's interesting. They are definitely a subculture. They're a counterculture. They're not cool. You know, it's not I, like it's a uh, where cool people want to go. Like cool I, bands I don't want to perform. The You're Insane not Clan get... Posse themselves are cool, but I don't think their fans are cool. No, and a lot of the copycat bands that they have on, I don't think so. It's uh, And what we get out of it a lot is out of the, there's a lot of shit. Oh, like, for sure. A lot of the bands are going, no, nah, that's not music. I don't, and that's not for me. Yeah, so they'll basically name the band that's coming on and they'll play like a a bit of a song. That's a bit of a song. Yeah. And what we get out generally from each one we watch, there's one new band that interests us. Yeah. We go, oh, they sound all right. I wouldn't mind checking them out. And the beauty of the internet, we can. We can, exactly. So, yeah, and we found a few. But some of the names of the bands just sound like they've ran like a random word generator. Mm. But, yeah, so we found some some decent bands that we like and well, music yeah. that we like. But this year we hit pay dirt. We did. We did. Would it rate as high as when we found the millionaires when they were on? Because I think that was probably... Four years ago? I put it on a par, more than four. I put it on a par. Mm. But yes, this year, one of the acts that they had on was a guy called Clown Viz Presley, who is a guy that dresses in an Elvis costume. With clown makeup. With clown makeup and an overly exaggerated pompadour. But he is a clown Elvis Presley. Yeah. And he sings kind of parody Elvis songs, plus he's got a few of his own originals. Mm. He sings in an Elvis style. In an Elvis, very much an Elvis style. And I think we'll that be ending the episode funny. with Dancing with the Wolfman because but that not was- not in a gay way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but 
I think we've definitely hit pay dirt for this because after we finished the infomercial of the gathering of the jugglers, we were like, we've got to look up Clownviz. And then we spent the next half hour or so finding Clownviz videos on YouTube. And he's actually on Spotify as well. So, yeah. yeah. So we always find something. So it just give, keeps giving. Being an observer of the juggalo, I would yep. call myself, it always gives us something new every year. Mm. That was cool. It was, wasn't it? All right. Well, that's basically television. Should we jump into movies? Sure. You've had a couple of trips to the cinema? Two trips to the cinema. One tomorrow. We've gone too early. Ah. I'm going to see that, whatever, at the El Royale tomorrow, but that's okay. okay. We'll talk talk about that next month then. Yes. So I saw Venom yesterday because the podcast I do, the Geek Dudes, we were sort of demanded by the listeners or we put it out there. We we seem to go and watch crap films before we record and that's we did it with the Power Rangers and we did it with the Ghostbusters reboot and we sort of put the challenge out there knowing that the – our listeners would tell us to go and we were going to see Venom because we didn't think it looked terribly good. And I don't think it is. No. Early word it was going to be a horror movie and then recently that sort of came out that it was only PG-13. Yeah. So you could see it. It's a definitely a horror movie. There's a, there's a horror movie in there. But then they're trying to be funny and they're trying to be this and they're trying to be that and it just felt very 1990s. That's it true. didn't feel like a modern superhero movie. And not that it has to but because the Marvel movies all have a feel. It could be a heist movie or this or that. This just felt a bit, yeah. I mean, the opening scene was the same as The Predator, which came out recently. Pretty much the sequence, the opening thing is the same. And it felt like sport. Mm. So I was like, yeah, it's just, I've got to process a little bit more. It was only yesterday. Okay. The other film I saw was The Predator, which I just talked about. Hence, you could tell that they were the same opening scenes. Yeah, and another movie that you can tell got fucked over. It's Shane Black wrote it. Now, Shane Black did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, yep. and Last Boy Scout. He's a good writer. He knows how to write a movie. And this felt very safe in bits. Other bits were like, oh, that's really cool. Other bits were like, really? You went there and it's got some good bits? Other bits were like, eh? But I've heard there was a lot of rewrites in it. And whether that's Shane Black was being rewritten, it's like, why are you rewriting Shane Black? And it's like, because I love the first Predator movie. If it, you know, if you're an aliens person, a predator, or someone, and most people alien things because they're actually better. But I love the first Predator movie so much that I don't care for the other Predator films. But I love the first one, and every time I will watch the new Predator movies that come out because I want a good one again. Okay. And this I thought was going to be the closest we're going to get. It's you know Shane Black's good, and it just fell flat again. Hmm. Like, ah. I really like Predator Two when it came out, but I've never gone back. So I don't know if it still holds up and whether it's as good as I remember it being. I've heard a lot of bad stuff about it with the Jamaican gangs and all that sort of stuff. I don't think it's bad. I just didn't care. It just wasn't as good as the first one. Yeah. Hmm. It didn't have Arnie. And the first one was amazing in the fact that it happened during a writer's strike. They filmed it. Writer's strike happened. Down tools. Hmm. Couldn't make any more. Not many films have this luxury. So what they do is they go, they went out and they watched what they'd filmed and started cutting it together. And they got a, just a feeling of what the movie was like. One, they realised the alien looked like shit. Yeah. And it was John claude Van Damme in a really ugly suit. So I was like, fuck that. We're not doing it. Mm. If they were kept filming, they wouldn't have time to do that. They would have to finish the film. So at least they had time to do it. Stan Winston, can you make us a new suit? Yeah, I can work, whip one up for you. You know, and they got the predator that we know and love. Plus they could tweak the script and do all these sort of things. And not many films have that luxury. Yeah. You know, you're in and out in six, seven weeks or you're filming or whatever. That crew 
was just so well done. Like you got this team of mercenary, or not mercenary soldiers, like an well, elite team of soldiers. They were mercenaries, weren't they? I think they worked for the government. Hmm, okay. And apparently they went off and did boot camp together. You know, there was the camaraderie there that you felt. They were efficient. There was no question that they were incompetent. No. They they worked for each other. They might have had animosity to some of them, but they knew each other. They trusted each other and they, they were capable. Yeah. And there was no question about that. And it was just came across beautifully in that film. It just, I don't know. I'm just, whenever I watch it, I go back to being the, what was it, 86, the 13, 14-year-old boy watching it again going, this is the coolest thing and look at that minigun. Jesse, the body of the man. But yeah, I want that feeling every time I watch a new Predator one and they just can't do it. And I was hoping this time around and unfortunately, you can tell someone chopped at that right, and sure. recut that. Yeah. Mm. What about you? Well, I've had one trip to the actual cinema and I went and saw The House with the Clock on its Walls. Yeah, Eli Roth. Yeah, I didn't realize the it was Eli So in Green River. I went Green with Inferno, the, sorry. I went with the whole family. Yep. So my 7-year-old was a little bit scared in a couple of bits. There's one part where Jack O'Lantern's come to life and he was really scared during that bit. My 11-year-old was going to a party in the afternoon, so halfway through the film he kept looking at his watch to see what the time was, making sure he wasn't going to be late for his party. And I think he was probably a little bit distracted, but I really enjoyed it. I was a little bit trepidatious going off the ads. Mm. Because Jack Black is just Jack Black. Yep. But he was actually really good. And Kate Blanchett is the other main adult character in it, and she's pretty good too. Cool. But it's basically a young boy in the 50s who is an orphan and goes and lives with his uncle who is a bit of a magician in a house that's kind of haunted with a clock. But yeah, without giving too much away, the effects in it are pretty good. The storyline moves along quite nicely. It's a little bit slow at the start, but once you start getting into how the magic works and the little kid decides that he wants to learn how to be a magician as well, so he's learning the magic. Well, that's a problem with Venom. 45 minutes till you see Venom. Oh, yeah, so it's a modern superhero film. We know what he looks like now. He's on the poster. We've seen him in Spider-Man 3. It's not like you need to keep it back. Just show us fucking Venom. Hmm. It's called Venom, for fuck's sake. Exactly. You know. Yeah, go on. Sorry. But yeah, I, I would recommend it if you have children. Maybe probably older than my little one, because it was probably a little bit over his head. But my, as I said, my 11-year-old enjoyed most of it before he got distracted with the time. He enjoyed it mostly. 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 But yes. But speaking of 11-year-olds, I also went and saw a documentary as part of the Darabin Intercultural Festival or something that was on over the school holidays. Mm -hmm. And it was a documentary called I Am 11, which was directed by a Melbourne filmmaker called Genevieve Bailey. And it is a story of how she went around the world and met a bunch of children who were all 11 and filmed them over the course of about three years. And it shows just how different kids of the same age view the world from different countries. So there was a, a young Indigenous girl here in Melbourne in the council flats in Carlton and there was another a, a Thai boy that was living in Bangkok and working training elephants and a, an English kid who I think had quite a bit of autism because he was quite a character. He was just English. Well, he was, but it was quite funny because she was asking this kid from England, Billy, his name was, what he was into. And he was like, well, I like to play PSP and you can watch movies on the PSP and I've got a wrestling movie with RVD in it. And my wife turned around to me and was like, it's funny how all autistic kids kind of like wrestling. So <laughs> I didn't really have an answer for that, but yes, it is kind of strange. But he was quite interesting. There was another French kid who was living with his parents in this sort of hippie sort of commune where they didn't have mains electricity, they had solar power and they were talking about how they wanted to save the world and it was up to you know that generation to just 
change things because the adults have kind of fucked it up and it's up to the kids now to make a difference. And he was really switched on. He was like, you know, I don't consider myself a citizen of France. I'm a citizen of the world and we should be letting more refugees into France because everyone has a right to live and all that sort of stuff. And he was really switched on. But the, the really good thing about it was as well, they had a, a Q&A with the director afterwards. And the film had come out back in 2012. And apparently when it originally came out, it was at Cinema Nova here in Melbourne and it ran for 26 weeks at Cinema Nova. It was that popular. And she's won like a bunch of awards for documentary filmmaking and stuff. But because it's now, you know, five, six years on from when the film was released, it's probably about eight years from when she originally filmed it. And she did a bit of a Q&A and had slides and photos of the kids now. And they're all sort of just graduating from university and they've all grown up. And the little French kid is now a doctor working with Doctors Without Borders. So he's really switched on and cluey. So it was interesting in the fact that, yeah, they had the poorest of the poor in, I think it was some desert country, Arabia or somewhere. Anyway, but they also had a bunch of orphans in India that were all 11. And just the difference of how they lived. And then there was a young American girl living in New Jersey who was 11 and they showed her bedroom and she had like, you know, massive plasma TV and computers and all this sort of stuff. And these other kids uh, in a hut in the desert with no running water and they have to walk down to the, the well to get, you know, buckets of water and then they heat that up under a fire so they can have a bath at night and stuff. So it was just very eye-opening as far as how people live. So, yeah, interesting. And, what made you see that? Well, the fact that we were just looking at the City of Darabin website of things to do during the school holidays, and we noticed that it was on. And the fact that my oldest is 11 now, we were like, well, maybe it's about time we showed him how other kids around the world that are his age live, and just the differences. And he really got a lot out of it as well. I think my younger boy, because we took both of them, he didn't quite get as much because a lot of it was subtitled and he mm. wasn't quick enough reading the subtitles. They both enjoyed Billy the Autistic Kid, but for different reasons, I think. But again, they they just the fact that Will is 11 and he can sit there and go, well, I'm 11 and I've got TV, computer, iPads, everything I could need. And again, these poor kids in India don't have anything. And just the differences of how people so very progressive of you. In a similar way, I, I tried to show my son Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows, and he wasn't interested. Mm. Well, that's a documentary as well, so your son's <laughs> exactly. probably a bit young for documentaries. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. But anyway, that's probably our movie watching and other things like that. We did have quite a busy weekend this past weekend. Yeah. Still feeling it. Yeah, me too, actually. And I didn't quite have as busy a weekend as you. Yeah, we had the, the weekend of wrestling. Yeah. Wow. It was, definitely, weekend wasn't it? wrestling. Yeah. So it started on Friday night with our local indie promotion, Melbourne City Wrestling, and they did their Thornbury Theatre show. They're all Thornbury Theatre shows now. Well, they are mostly, aren't they? No, they are. Oh, they are? Yes. They're not going to do Essendon anymore? No. Is that special news that no one knew about yet? They haven't announced, it just is. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so they've been getting steadily bigger and bigger crowds. Mm-hmm. And this Friday night, because of what else was happening on the weekend, they put on a spectacular show on Friday night. Well, the WWE were in town doing a, what they call it, Super Showdown? Yes. At the MCG, which is, if you don't know... <laughs> I don't know who listens to this show, but the, the MCG is a 100,000-seat football-slash-cricket venue here in Melbourne, and the WWE have been here before. The first time they've been here in a very long time, they went to Etihad Stadium, or which is now Marvel Stadium, which was, that back then was Colonial Stadium, um, <laughs> and they got 76,000 people. Was it that much? I think that's wow. what they said it was. Hmm. And that was a big deal. So people came from New Zealand, from Sydney, from Perth, from, yep, from know, all Asia and stuff to this show because it was the biggest WWE show in ever yep. in Australia. Now, since then, they've been coming back quite a bit. 
but they do it been doing smaller venues like the tennis center which is about 18,000 people 14 to 18,000 yep. and the numbers have been dwindling I know it costs a lot to bring all these people to Australia so to bring a whole roster is expensive yeah so and, then, and with the split brand of raw and Smackdown they generally are bringing in half a roster out and the problem was as well they were always doing an untelevised show here in Australia so they would it's film a house show yeah exactly they'd film raw or Smackdown or whatever in America before they go so they could show that on tape they'd jump on a plane they'd come and do a show here in Melbourne they'd do one in Sydney and then go back and then go back and there was no progression of storylines there was no it was a house show yeah it was just a house show but the show they did here in Melbourne this weekend was actually on the network yes. and was a just a, a pay-per-view for the rest of the world mm. so it was a big deal yeah um, they pushed it it's similar to the Saudi show they put on earlier this year so that was in town so it was a big deal to have a show at the MCG which potentially could have had or the way they cornered it off, a good numbers. Yep. So obviously a lot of people are going to be in town wrestling-wise, a lot of fans are going to be in town, let's put on a wrestling show. I'm not saying let's, as in me, but the MCW put on a show. Yeah. And it was fucking good. It was. Like, I've been to nearly every Thornbury Theatre show that they've done this year. They've had a couple of really big crowds based on the fact that they've had internationals out here. Like mm-hmm. Will Ospreay's been here a few times. Okada, we had Nido. Okada last year. Nido for MCW 100, which was in a different venue. But this show this week was purely local. There was no international acts on it. And I think the crowd reactions were probably the biggest I have seen at a local wrestling show. It they, was hot. They were red hot. They mm-hmm. were rabid hot for most of the matches. There, Everything just seemed to, no flat spots. No, it just flowed really well. It was a fast-paced show, lots of action, lots of really good quality wrestling. And, yeah, it was probably the best wrestling show I've been to all year. Wow. So, yeah. So that was – so my back was fucked because yep. I was standing up the whole time watching that. You were, you were front row. I had row, seats of front row, row. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to my new friend James. Yes, so that was cool. So that was, that was a great show. It was a, like the one of the problems with wrestling shows could be fatigue. Like you're sitting through a long night depending on how much you're drunk, whatever. A bad match can really ruin the night as far as like take the heat out of the show and yep. things like that. There was no bad matches in this. All storylines progressed really nicely. And the main event was super freaking hot to the fact that people were pissed off and we're throwing shit yeah it's like that's not great that people are throwing shit but the fact that they are that into it that they're reacting that much to something going on means that's good yeah so that was a hot show great next day now something that's been going from before mcw days is something called wrestle rock which is at the corner hotel in richmond Yep. And there used to be rock and wrestling back in the day before that, but this is sort of the last 10, 12 years maybe, Wrestle Rock. Probably 10 years ago, I think, when Wrestle Rock first started. And it's a band and some wrestling at a pub. So yep. it's a bit more adult. It's adults only. People are drinking. It's a lot more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. And all bits are off. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's no real storylines continuing on from other shows or anything like that. It was its own self-contained show. They do it every three months or so. And it was just a bit of fun. Yep. It really was. Now, it is involved with MCW to a point now. It pretty much uses the MCW roster, but it's it's not continuing on any storylines. So they put on the show the Friday night and then down the ring next morning, 9 o'clock, setting up the ring again for Wrestle Brunch because normally it's Wrestle Rock on a Friday night. Yeah. Now, because the WWE are in town... The corner hotel was saying, "Do you want to do something for it?" And so, what can we do? And they ended up coming up with the idea of wrestle brunch. So it started at midday, and they didn't know what they were going to do when they said yes to it. But they ended up putting on a show. They weren't weren't sure about it. It's like, can we put it up? Can we put a ring up? Can we get it down again in time before going to see the WWE and all that? Yeah, and so they I decided. Had- 
I heard rumours that there wasn't going to be a ring at one stage and they were going to do wrestling on just the dance floor. They, there was lots of discussion. Yeah. So, But they put on a full-on Wrestle Rock show. Now, I got there at 12. It yeah. was meant to the doors opened, I think, at 12. So I walked in thinking I was running a bit late. I was about five past or whatever. And it was, the wrestling wasn't meant to start till actually half past one. And the okay. band was on beforehand. And I was like, oh. But the crowd were all they, – you could tell they were excited. They were in for a big day. The WWE was in town. No, I trained it in. So I got off at Jolly Mod Station – which is where the MCG is. And I walked past the MCG to the corner, which is another five minutes. It's not far. All the stuff was set up for the wrestling beforehand. There were people hanging out. This is at 12 o'clock. The show didn't start till 7. Yeah. So it was sort of like, these people are keen. They've come all this way and they're, they're big wrestling fans. So so people who knew about the Wrestle Rock show or Wrestle Brunch, they were obviously excited. I walked in. It's like, and they were ready. Like it was 12 o'clock during the day. It's weird to go to a wrestling show and the, the, the light's on. You know, outside you can see daylight. It's it's strange, and it was a kicker of a show. Okay. Like it was so much fun. Now they do normally have a band. Now it's wrestle rock, so they generally go for a rock band. You know, it's sort of like they've gone for Kiss cover bands and the Five Venoms, which is a Japanese punk band and things like that. Mm. They've had a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Now this time they've put Jules, friend of the show, even though he doesn't listen, but he's a friend of everybody's. He is the commentator for the show. Yep but he's also in a band of his own right, a couple of bands. But what they did was they put together a super group for this called the Millionaires Club, which I think a riff on, is that Hogan and Nash and all that sort of stuff? Is that what they were known as? I think so. Yeah, so Jules was dressed as Randy, Macho Man Savage. Ivka was the bass player. He was dressed as Goldust. The guitarist was dressed as Brett the Hitman Hart. And there were two other band members that, I don't think we're dressed up from what I can remember. And they played nothing but wrestling, classic WWE wrestling themes. And it was fantastic. The crowd were totally into it. It was just fun, like really in the vibe. Normally I don't care about the bands when I go to a wrestle rock show because it's like, oh, yeah, it's sort of like they play music before and after the show and the wrestling in the middle. This one was just wrestling, the music before, then the wrestling, and that was it because they had to get out Mm. to go to the other show. But it's like... I would have been happy to go on without the wrestling, to be honest. Okay. Because it was just the band was so much fun. The crowd were totally into it. And it was like, this is really cool. But the wrestling itself was quite a bit of fun and a lot of, a lot of wrong, okay. which you, you expect from these shows. Yeah. So that was that. So standing up again for another couple of hours. But the side has helped. Like I said, I trained it in. So I think five pints in. I was enjoying myself. It was good. And then went to the WWE to watch the Super Showdown. Now, you the, weren't planning initially on going to the Super Showdown, were you? I was hoping to get a free ticket. Okay. Like, I was keen because it's a spectacle. Yeah. And I love a spectacle. I, so I, I really wanted to see that. would have liked to have gone just for the spectacle. Mm. But even the cheap seats were $40. Yeah. And I couldn't justify sitting that far back. Well, we went to the Etihad Stadium. Yeah. One that I said before. And that, lucky enough... I fluked a ticket 18 rows from the front. Yeah. And that's far in a wrestling ring. Yeah. It's a long way away and everything's small. You were sitting in the We were probably seats. 18 rows from the back. Yeah. And you couldn't see shit. No. So the $40 seat in the MCG is a lot further away yeah. than those seats that Eddie had. So I was like, ah, I kind of want to go, but I don't. I wasn't sure. I'm hoping a free ticket comes my way. It hadn't. Up until this point, it hadn't. It's like, oh, whatever. And I looked at buying tickets on the Friday. I looked at the website. There's still $40 tickets left. It's like, that's fine. I don't think it's going to sell out. I'll still wing it. I'll see what happens. So Wrestle Rock happened. We all went upstairs at the Corner Hotel, had a Palmer, lovely Palmer. Still going. Then everyone started the pilgrimage to the MCG for the show. So I'm just wandering along. And I literally hit the bridge going from the Swan Street side to the MCG side. And friend of the show, Jules, 
pulls pulls out his two tickets, going, "Ah, oh, what are the upgrade I got? Oh, this and that." And he goes, "Where are you sitting?" To me, and it's like, "I don't know. Yeah, I haven't got a ticket." And he goes, "You haven't got a ticket here." Go and gave me his other ticket because his friend had got him an upgraded ticket because his wife works for the MCG or something and ended up scoring okay. a better ticket, so I'd upgraded that. So. Here you go. Thank you very much. So, a hundred meters from the venue is where I scored my ticket. <laughs> Just through <laughs> fluke and happenstance. And yeah, so I was on, I think I looked at the website the next day and I think it was around a three or four hundred dollar ticket. That's the one wow. I got. So, pretty good. But the show itself, glad I didn't pay. Yeah. People were into it. I'm not going to take that away from it. I'm not going to say it was a bad show. I don't know if I was exhausted. I just didn't feel anything. It, it just felt I was so far away. I was sitting with a friend who's been to two WrestleManias, and I asked him, how does it rate? And he goes, not even in comparison. Yeah. And he goes, it's electric at a WrestleMania. Like, venue size is comparative. Yeah. It's the same sort of size. It wasn't full. Apparently, 70,000 was the number they've said it was, but this is wrestling, so, oh, so it could be it's got 60. a bit of gravy on yep. it. Yeah. But it just didn't have an atmosphere where he said WrestleMania did. So whether that's, you know, even getting to the venue, people are having, you know, barbecues in the car park and all those sort of things. But being no roof on it, I don't know if it just got sucked out. Atmosphere at the top, I'm not sure. But then the MCG has a lot of atmosphere. If you go there, I mean, I was there three weeks ago for a bloody two finals for my football team and there's atmosphere. I know it can work. So I don't know. It just felt flat. And maybe I was around the comp area, the the comp seats. So a lot of people who didn't pay for their seats, so therefore they weren't into it. Where if I was sitting in another area where everyone was really getting into it, and the, mm. the crowd were getting into it, you could hear it. Yeah. So when John Cena music played, and then you know when things happened and the crowd reacted the way they should and the way you expect it, you know, I wasn't amongst those people. So did the Aussies on the show get a, a decent reaction? Oh yeah, Buddy Murphy got the title and it was yeah. pretty huge. The Iconics came out, it was pretty huge. Everyone ran. I, I, I do love it for the people watching. Yeah. In the same way the Gathering of the Juggalos or anything like that, you watch wrestling fans behave. And I'm not going to take it away from them. If you enjoy this, go for it. I don't want to take that fun from you. I can't be a jaded mark going, oh, you're reacting like typical. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was the least favourite show that I saw of the three. Okay. And just, I wasn't into it I'm not a huge fan of the WWE anymore it's just too much content that I can't follow it and I can't sit through a three hour raw anymore it's just too much and too long and the same and that was part of the reason why I didn't buy tickets is I don't watch a lot of WWE anymore like I have the network a majority of the stuff I watch on the network is the old library of you know 90s stuff that they've got again I, I don't watch Raw I don't watch Smackdown I occasionally watch NXT and you know 205 Live so I'm kind of up to date with what's going on with the Cruiserweights and I would have liked to have seen Buddy Murphy win the Cruiserweight title here in Melbourne but that's the way it goes mm. but it's on the network I will probably watch it eventually but i'm not in a hurry to watch it yeah it was an event yeah and that's what i wanted to say it was a spectacle and it was good to see one i did leave straight away so i didn't see the end end like because it was triple h and undertaker for the last time good <laughs> yeah with Shawn michaels in the corner of triple h and kane in the corner of undertaker and it, it finished the way it finished it's like, okay cool so to beat the rush to get to the train to go home because i was pretty exhausted and yeah i heard the crowd cheer something as i was walking away from the venue and i saw a photo on twitter later and it was all four of them sort of oh, okay. acknowledging the crowd so yep. it, wouldn't, it won't be on the network that'll be after the cameras go dark okay. yeah, but and that was the great thing about seeing that global warning show that we saw at eddie had years ago 
yeah. was the shit they did after the show, with, you know, in, in quotation marks, you know, when yep. the show was over, even though it wasn't broadcast. That's the beauty of a dark, a house show is they sort of can break with character quite a bit and have a lot of fun yeah. with what they do. And I don't think they did that today. They did it when we saw it because it was the Rock Triple H and Kurt Angle all having a bit of fun. Oh, Brock Lesnar, wasn't it? Yeah. All having a bit of fun. So that didn't happen this time, but you did get, you know, yeah. acknowledgement from Triple H okay. and Undertaker who had just fought each other for the last time and hate each other, but they're acknowledging the crowd with a thank yeah. you, which is a cool moment, which, you know, it would have been nice to stick around, but I needed to get that train. Hmm. There you go. So that was obviously quite a weekend of wrestling. <sighs> still feeling it. And we had daylight savings. So you lost an hour. Oh, which oh, mm. still recovering. All right. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up this month. We've talked about quite a lot of stuff. So if you have any feedback for us, if you went to the Super Showdown and thought it was the best show you've ever seen in your life. And and, and some people did. Yeah. I, I got people asking me, did you enjoy it as much as I did? And I'm telling them yes. <laughs> because I did, but mm. probably not as much as you. But yes, it was a good show. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't for you. Yeah. and I It guess- wasn't a bad show. No, don't get me wrong. It just yeah. wasn't for me. Well, ringside tickets were, what, $1,200? Yeah. yeah. So if we can get even a fraction of those people come to a local show here in Melbourne, they're doing something right. And I think you would see a better quality of wrestling if you went to an MCW show rather than a WWE That's show. That's what you want you know. out of it. If you are a wrestling fan, if you want to see a good wrestling match, it's different. Yeah. If you, if want, you want to see, see a spectacle. Superstars. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And they yeah. are. I mean, to see Kane in person is huge. Yeah. See Braun Strowman. I mean, they, these are giant men. Yeah, exactly. It's, mm. a, it's a different thing. It is. It yes. their own. And as I say, there's wrestling and then there's WWE. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Well, if you do have any feedback for us, you can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash The Massive Attack Podcast. We are The MA Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. And until a couple of weeks when we come back with our next Welcome to My World, when we're continuing along with our 80s fantasy, that's it for tonight. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Well, it was me and Wolfman on a Friday night Checking out the scene and causing quite a sight We headed downtown looking for some action Then we decided how to get the ladies' attention yeah, I'm dancing with the wolf man. 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 Yeah, I'm dancing with the wolf man in a non-gay way. Just two guys dancing. Well, me and the wolf man, we dance so fine. A goblin lady said, I want to make you mine. We looked at each other, but we didn't cause no fuss. Oh, then the wolf man said, Goblin lady, you're going to dance with us. Oh, yeah, I'm dancing with the wolf man. 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 Dancing with the wolf yeah, man. Yeah, I'm dancing with the wolf man in a non-gay way. We're just dancing and we're having fun. Comment and like and subscribe. 
Comment and like and subscribe. Comment, like, and subscribe. Thanks for watching. Definitely a subculture. They're a counterculture. They're not cool.